Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Good morning, 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 good morning. Hey, good morning. Hey, y'all, good morning. You see, I'm trying to fidget while I'm saying good morning. It's a great day in the house of God. <clears throat> I'm excited about the word today. Excited about that all, all that God's doing and has done and is going to do. Um, this is always a privilege for me. I never take lightly the opportunity to bring the word. Um, we get such good meat every single week. Somebody say amen. Man, I'm so grateful for Pastor Richard and what he brings to the table. I'm going to get used to that whole deal as well. Um, he is in, he had a chance to go to his 75th nation. And this was a promise that God made to him years and years ago. And I just love the fact that when God speaks something, he has a way of making it come to pass in our lives. So grateful that the word of the Lord is true and that as we continue to pursue him and to do what he's asked for us to do, that he has a way of taking care of the things that he has promised. So this morning, I'm going to kind of follow up where he started last week. He laid a great foundation. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time reviewing it, but I want to make sure you guys know where we are. Uh, we, the, the theme this month is called Truish, and uh, we're going to dig into some of the word of God today. But before we do that, let's just pray and get our atmosphere. It already feels good. I sense God's presence in this room already today. Lord, thank you for all that you are to us. Thank you for your spirit and for your presence. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you, God, that when you speak, we listen. And I thank you that I am your vessel today. So, Lord, I give you my tongue and my thoughts, and I, get, I ask you for clarity and strength, and I ask you so that every heart of every person in this room and those by way of live stream, let their ears be open to hear the word of the Lord today, and we'll be careful to give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen, amen. So this is the last Sunday of us having this particular platform. Some of you may not know that, but at 3 o'clock this afternoon, we have a demo team coming in, and they're going to bring their sledgehammers and their stuff in here. It's demo day. And what's going to happen is this whole platform is going to be shifted a little bit. Eventually, the keyboards are going to be on that side. Guitars are going to be over there. And we do that not just because we want some extra stuff to do, but because we feel like there's something that should always be fresh in the house of God. Amen. And what we talked about recently, we found out or remembered that the last time we made any transitions to this platform was 13 years ago. Uh, Ryan reminded me that in 2007, the very last event we had in this room was he and Chandra's wedding. <laughs> so that was a long time ago. And technology has changed and all the stuff that goes on has shifted. Some of you don't realize like these lights that we're using, those things are many, many, many years old. They're functioning, but we're just, God is giving us the capacity. And I want to say this before I get to the end of the message, that it's happening because of your faithfulness. So thank you. Thank you for giving. Thank you for sowing. Thank you for believing in the vision. Thank you for never withholding your seed. Thank you for being consistent people that we don't ever have to get up and beg and that whole deal. But you know that the word of God is true, and so you've applied the word. And we really genuinely, can I tell you that on behalf of the pastors and staff and leaders, 
we really appreciate your consistency. I think you ought to give yourselves a hand this morning. Hey, J.D., J.D., we want if you would. So let's turn to Genesis chapter 3. That is where the message is going to be today. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 through 11. It says in the New King James Version, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God. Now let me say this. There are a lot of places that I've been and a lot of places that I don't want to be. But one of them is away from the presence of God. I don't ever want to find myself away from where he's at, where he's speaking, where he's connecting to us. So we see here early on in this passage that there's something going on because Adam and Eve have hidden themselves from the presence of the Lord. Amongst the trees, excuse me, the Lord among the trees of the garden. Verse 9 says, then the Lord called to Adam and he asked him, where are you? Now, you've got to understand that that is not a question that he's expecting to be answered. It's a rhetorical question. God is saying in this moment, he's giving Adam an opportunity to decide which way he's going to go. He's given Adam actually a moment to decide if he's going to repent and tell the truth and just come clean or if he's going to cover his nakedness. And then the next verse says, um, verse 10 says, so he said, Adam says to God, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Verse 11, he said, God said to Adam, who told you that? If you want to know the title of my message today, it is who told you that? Amen. Where'd you get that information? In this verse, it's Adam saying, God saying to Adam, who told you that you were naked? But your who told you that could be, who told you that you're too old? Come on. Who told you that time has passed you by? Who's told you that you can't accomplish this and this because of your background or your history or the side of the tracks you were born on? Come on. Who told you? That a woman can't do X, Y, and Z. Who told you that? Where'd you get that information from? Here's what I found to be true, especially as a leader in this last season of my life. I've been very intentional about hearing where information comes from. Because one of the greatest assets in society today, let me ask you a question. Does anybody remember an encyclopedia? Remember that? When the encyclopedia man would come to your house with a big old book of a case of books. Something like encyclopedia, what is that? No, they would bring like literally a physical batch of books to your house and all the information you thought you could ever find was in this encyclopedia, right? And then two years later or two months later, everything was outdated, right? So today we have the opportunity to have the most information of any generation that's ever lived on the face of the earth. Do you know that? That at the flick of a button, a push of a button, at the asking of a Siri or an Alexa, we have absolute instant access to information. Information is limitless. There's nothing 
that we can't find out if we look in some of these resources. And I'm going to try to stay with my notes because i got some really good quotes for you today. But it is so important where you get your information from. I was looking up in my life right now. I tend to be someone who goes from, uh, uh, you know, average size uh, to big to bigger. <laughs> Those are the phases of my life. I've never been a little guy at any point in my life. And I started thinking about, so I'm trying to be healthy because I want to live long. And I know that in my family there's diabetes and there's heart disease and there's obesity in my family. And, and so I, it's, it's a, can I just be honest with y'all? It's a scroggle, <laughs> right? Not even with an ST, it's a scrawl with a, with a Q or whatever that is. It's a struggle my whole life. And I was thinking about it, man. And I remember being like 11, 12, heading into the seventh grade. And my body was changing and the world was changing around me. And I remember I started taking these Slim Fast uh, cans. Anybody know Slim Fast? And so I did Slim Fast. I mean, you know, if something named Slim Fast, it's probably not very good for you. So I tried Slim Fast. And then a few years later, you know, diets change and things change. And then I did, you know, South Beach for a minute. Any South Beachers? Then I did Weight Watchers. I had the points and the calculator and the thing and getting your numbers. And I did all of that. And like right now, you know, people are doing the intermittent fasting. I'm sure there's some of you may be doing that. And then there's the keto, right? Then there's the paleo. And sometimes you get frustrated and you just go to the no-mo diet. <laughs> I can't handle it no more. Because <laughs> there's just information, right? And if you look on any website, you're going to get a different story from a different person telling you what the truth is. <clears throat> so it matters where you get your information from. I'm going to drill into that. It matters how you define truth in your life. It matters that the source that you are getting your stuff from is unchangeable, unwavering. Does anybody know what source I'm talking about? Who, what am I talking about? You tell me. The word of God. <clears throat> you can write this down. The word of God is the only absolute truth. Say amen. amen. The word of God. It's the only thing that doesn't shift, that doesn't change, that isn't negotiable, that doesn't have something that starts at a place and ends somewhere else. The word of God is consistent in your life from day one to the time you leave this earth. You can bank your life on the word of God. And that is good news. And so what I found out is that too much information, which is what we're used to here in, the, in this country, actually around the world, too much information can cause the truth to be diluted, right? If you're getting all this stuff, then it almost is like truth becomes a bigger target because I'm getting it from this angle and this person and this scenario and this way of thinking. So sometimes too much information can cause truth to be diluted. And your source of information is so critical. As I was growing up, I have one of the most wonderful, amazing moms ever, okay? She's an amazing woman. I will talk about her for the rest of time. Um, all of my, you know, foundational truths came from this woman of God. 
She was a woman from down south, like full on down south, Mississippi, Mississippi. Okay? So when I say Mississippi, I ain't talking about the sweet Mississippi. I'm talking about the chitlin green eating cotton picking Mississippi, Mississippi. That's where she's from. And so she's full of wisdom and full of life. But my mom has a way, she basically has her own set of dictionary. <laughs> Things she says. And so, put that first picture up there if you would. So, what in your household would you call that right there? Somebody say it for me loud. Dresser or, what's the other word for it? Chest of drawers, right? It's a chest of drawers. So, a few years ago, I said, I'm about to update my room. And I, and I was telling somebody, I was like, yeah, I'm going to get me a new bed. I'm going to get me a new dresser. And I'm going to get me a new chest of drawer. She said... Chester drawer? What, you, what is a Chester drawer? I said, I'm going to get a Chester drawer. You know, the other piece of furniture in your room, a Chester drawer. And, she, and, and I'm going to tell who it is, PG. She laughed. <laughs> she laughed at me. She said, a Chester, Chester drawer? You're talking about, put the real definition. So my word was Chester drawer. <laughs> you see that? I said, I'm getting a Chester drawer. She said, it's not a Chester drawer, it's a chest of drawers. That's what you're getting. But my mom said Chester drawer. So that's where my truth came from. Put the next picture up. So then, last year, about November-ish, Pastor Richard and Gail, <laughs> they went to Nebraska. And that's where I'm from that area. I'm actually from Iowa, but Nebraska. So I have this favorite place it's called Taco John's. And in Taco John's, somebody read what it says on the top. Just read with me. It says, sign up and get free potato olays. So you got to understand, you don't see it up here, but there's like a cheese dip that comes with those potato olays. And it's the best snack in the world. It's the cheapest, greasiest, but it's just so, you know what comfort food is? It's like that good comfort food. So you dip it in cheese. And I told them, I said, when you go to Iowa and when y'all have a chance in Nebraska, you got to make sure you go to Taco John's. And I said, listen, the best thing on the menu is something called Tato Lays. Tato Lays. Tato Lays. Put it up for me, Trina. So they're looking on the menu. <laughs> and they went, <laughs> they went to the restaurant. And they're looking all over the menu for Tato Lays. Tato Lays are like, there's no Tato Lays on here. And somebody's like, oh, he meant potato Olays. How many of you know, <laughs> if you get your information from the wrong place, it can cause you trouble. Right? And that's what happens all the time to us in the body of Christ. We get information from every news source, from every cousin, and auntie, and teacher, and boss, and we get all these thoughts, and words, and stuff that bombards us, and they will go to their grave declaring it's true, but I'm telling you, there is only one source of truth. What am I talking about? The Word of God. So when we're talking about truish, truth is not relative. Truth is not ambiguous. Truth is not this broad scope of everybody's truth is their own truth. 
I heard somebody say that too, not too long ago. I just want my son to be able to find his own truth. And he's three years old. <laughs> Literally. He's three years old. How do you think a three-year-old is going to find the standard of truth that you're supposed to be living by? Right? So there are absolutes when we're talking about truth. And when you look here in Genesis chapter 3, so we're looking at it, and it says <clears throat> in verse 11, he said to you, God says to Adam, man, who told you that? Where did you find out that you were naked? Now jump down to chapter 2, verse 8, and this is where we're going to spend the rest of our time. Now I love this story. And I learned a lot about Adam and Eve as I was digging into the word with this. In chapter 2, verse 8, the story of Adam and Eve goes like this. Verse 8 says, the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there God put man whom he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and is good for food. Let me just say this. God likes ambiance. He likes atmosphere. He likes things to be nice. Come on. He likes things to have excellence and that whole deal. And I keep talking about food today, but if you're one of those people who eats only to live, you and I cannot be friends. <laughs> Take me to a restaurant and just eat to live. I want to eat to enjoy as well. Amen. Say amen. Thank you. So it says here that the food was pleasant in the sight and it was good. Verse uh, 9 at the end of it says, the tree of life was also in the midst of the garden. And the tree of life just represents the God kind of life. And the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which represents a whole other thing, we'll talk about that in a minute, was also in the garden. And then verse 15, the Bible says that the Lord God took the man... And he put him in the Garden of Eden, and he set him there to tend and to keep it. There's another translation that says to dress it. Now, I want to talk about these two trees because what I've found is that from the beginning of time, there have been two aspects that man has been quarreling with, battling with this duality. The first aspect if you understand that a tree in the garden, I always wondered why, why the story about the trees? Why did God put all these trees for them to enjoy and to have pleasure in? And then he put this one thing in the garden that was the temptation for them. And clearly they failed. They made the wrong decision. And now all of humanity, all of mankind is wrestling and fighting against that decision that Adam and Eve made. And I want to say this, that when we look at these examples of the trees, we realized that we are dealing with what mankind has had to overcome. You have one of two choices. Now, now hear this from my heart today. I believe that those trees represent the fact that God has given us one of two choices. The one tree was the tree of life. It was the tree of life like God has life. It was the life that God wants you to live. That tree represents your absolute, complete, and total surrender and dependence upon God. That's what that tree meant. That tree meant that I'm going to do 
exactly what God said to do. I'm going to enjoy everything that he's put around me in the garden. I'm going to partake of all the stuff that he's given me. But I'm going to make a decision to follow exactly what God says, and I'm going to stay away from that tree. The other tree of the, of the excuse me, I'm going to eat of that tree, but the other tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God puts that tree in there, and I believe that that tree represents something called autonomy. Does anybody know what that means? That word autonomy simply means independence, self-governance, do it my way. I make a decision. You tell me what to do, but I'm a man, and I'm going to make my own choice. Hello? God gives us, here's the facts, God gives us two choices. It's an either-or proposition. It's an either-or proposition. Either you're going to live your life fully surrendered to the will of God, fully obeying the word of the Lord, fully giving your heart and your life and your finances and your time. Either you're going to be fully in or you're going to be autonomous, independent, self-governing. And so what we find here in this passage is that God had given them the choice. I'll say it again. The battle that we have faced since the beginning of time is either autonomy or total dependence on God. We cannot have both. Is that up there? We can't have both. Either autonomy or total dependence on God, that's where we find ourselves. And what is so dangerous about the enemy's strategy to get us to desire our own autonomy is this. And I want to say this is a great quote. I'm going to give you a lot of quotables today. But one of the greatest strategies that the enemy has always had has been to distort or to deny or to defy the word of God. I'm going to say it again. There's another quote. The enemy's greatest strategy has always been to distort, to deny or to defy the word of God. Say it one more time. The enemy's greatest strategy has always been to distort or to deny or to defy the word of God. And that's important as we look here in verse 15. It says that the Lord God took the man and he put in the Garden of Eden to tend and to dress and to keep it. And God gave Adam an assignment, basically is what it's saying here, before God ever gave him Eve. That word dress or tend means to work or to till or to labor or to serve. I'm getting somewhere with this. But that word keep in verse 15, where it says God put man in the garden to keep it, that word keep Originally in the Hebrew translation is the word shamar. Somebody say shamar. I'm teaching you a little bit. The word shamar. And that word shamar means to guard, to protect, to, to take heed. And it also means to self-evaluate. That next word's not up there, but to self-evaluate. So shamar, to keep, means to guard, to protect, to take heed, to self-evaluate. Evaluate. And what I found here 
in verse 15 is that when God put Adam in the garden, what he's asking him to do is to make sure that he's taking care of his mind. The garden and to tend is not just talking about plants and herbs and trees and stuff that you'll eat and things that'll physically reproduce. That represents God is saying to him, I need you to tend to your mind. I need you to take care of your thoughts. I need you to put a border and a boundary and a protection and a hedge about the way that you think. Can you say amen? That's what that represents. When we're talking about that passage in 15, God's saying, listen, I put you in this space so that you would have authority over the the beasts of the fields and the fowls of the air, but I'm also putting you in this space so that you can take authority over your own mind. Yes. Pastor Richard, a couple weeks ago, his whole concept was saying, listen, your life is a series of, of things that you've been thinking about the most. He said in 2 Corinthians that the battle that we're facing is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, all those things. But it's, it's the high places that, that come and exalt themselves in your mind, the stuff that you're fighting for in your thoughts. And so Adam is here with this imperative directive from God. Tend to your land because if you don't, the enemy will come in to distort. Come on to deny or to outright cause you to defy what the truth of the word of God is. Look at verse 16. And God says to him, the Lord commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. Every tree, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Somebody say surely die. So that's not a question. That's not, again, I use the word ambiguous a lot, but it's not some kind of uh, halfway given directive. It says if you mess with that tree, you're going to surely die. And verse 18 says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I'm going to make him a helper who is comparable to him. Now you can go back and look it up verses 18 to 25, clearly uh, Adam is enjoying the garden with his new helper, Eve. Uh, Because the Bible says in verse 25, they were both naked to the man, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Somebody say amen, Jesus. (laughs) They were naked and not ashamed. That means he was enjoying the garden. He was enjoying, they were enjoying life. There was a purity. There was a clarity about the relationship that God had put him with and in. There was something awesome about being in that space where the presence of God was. And they were enjoying each other and God. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 1 is where we're going to end at. It says here, the serpent was the shrewdest. There's one uh, translation that says he was the most subtle of all of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And one day, he asked, he the serpent, asked the woman, did God really say? Did he really say that? Or is that your interpretation of what God said? Did God really say 
that you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? That's that first step of distortion of the word. Huh. Verse 2 says, well, she replies and says, well, of course we may eat from the trees in the garden. The woman replied, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that God said we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it because if you do, you will die. Now, keep, give me your eyeballs for a second because here's what happens. It seems like what Eve is saying is what God said, but it's not exactly what God said. God said, don't eat of the tree. He never said, don't touch the tree. Right? You see the same scriptures? He never told her, don't touch the tree. In other words, what I believe that passage is saying, God is not asking you to go live in some hole and to bury your head in the sand and pull yourself away from the things of the world and don't have any relationships with people who don't know Jesus or who don't think the same way as you. You hear what I'm saying? God's not asking you to pull yourself away from everything that surrounds you. He's not asking you to go and be a hermit and be unrelatable and not understand society and what's happening right now. Do you hear me? God's not asking us to, to hide ourselves away so we can stay unpolluted from the things of the world. What he's saying to Eve is, I put you next to this tree. What I'm asking you to not do is to eat of its fruit. Don't become like the things that are around you. Can you hear me? Because I find that so many times as believers, there's a tendency or there's a, there's a you know, the word of propensity for us to, once we start getting our things with God and we get our Christian friends and our relationships and we start building the things in the kingdom and we're seeing it go forward, we forget where we came from. We forget that there are lost people who don't know the God that you serve and don't have the same value system as you and don't think anything like you think. And God's saying in this passage, Eve, I'm not asking you to stay away from it. I'm just telling you, don't eat of it. Don't become like it. The next verse says this. In verse, uh, where am I at? Uh, uh, verse four, it says, the serpent then told the woman, you won't die. So that is not just distortion, but that is denial of the word of God. He comes to distort, to deny, or to defy. And so the serpent says to him, ah, you're not going to actually die, are you? God knows the moment that you eat from that tree, you'll see what's really going on. And look at this verse and you will be just like God, knowing everything ranging all the way from good to evil. As I come in for a landing here, what I found, church, is that not having this concept of absolute truth is such a slippery slope, man. It's so slippery. I'm not asking you to be some dogmatic, Bible-pushing, legalistic, non-approachable, you know, judgmental Christian. But I'm just saying that the Bible said that the devil 
the serpent was the most subtle of all the animals. It means that when there is a truth that presents itself, do you understand that the enemy doesn't always come with some, he doesn't come, we've joked about this before, he doesn't come with a pitchfork and red horns. He comes very subtle. Ah, it's not that big a deal. Eh, nobody will see. Eh, nobody's going to have to pay for it. It's just me. Eh, maybe, maybe, maybe God understands because that's how he made me, of course. Because that's how I, how I was made. Eh, it's a very subtle, slippery slope. And the Bible says in this passage that the enemy not only comes in and has her distort the word, then defy the word, but at some point in this passage, he wants her to actually deny what the word of the Lord is for her. And all I can tell you is that every time we allow ourselves as believers to pull away from the absolute of the word of God, you got to ask yourself, who told you it was okay? Who told you that? Where'd you get that information from? On the flip side, conversely, who told you? If God has given you a word of the Lord about your family, about your health, about your finances, about vision, about your future, about relationships, about a job, about a calling, if God has spoken to you, when everything, it's so important and I'm passionate about it, guys, because this is what has saved my life here in Florida. When God has given you a word of the Lord, trust me, it'll be tested. But when he's spoken to you, every challenge, every defying moment, every assignment from hell, every place of discouragement, every time you doubt yourself, every time the enemy throws something at you to make you want to quit and give up, you have the word of the Lord. Say amen. amen. It's what you base your life on. That's why... He wants us to have it be ambiguous or questionable. When God says something to you, who told you you can't do it? If it didn't work the first time, who told you to give it up? If your kids still aren't saved and you've been praying for them for 30 years, who told you to stop praying? Who told you that? Where'd you get your information from? Who told you to forget about the things that he's invested in you and spoken over you and desires for you? Who told you to stop believing that God can turn something bad into something good? Where'd you get that information from? Why'd you start believing what you were leaning into for a moment that somehow God said, ah, it doesn't work. Oh, your time's up. Ah, it's too short. Ah, you're not going to make it. Ah, you'll never get free of that addiction. Who told you that? 
Did your family tree tell you that? Did the history of the people that you've seen around you tell you that my mom and my mom's mom and my dad and my dad's dad and there's generational curses, so I'm just going to be part? Who told you that? That's why God says to, to, he says to them when they're naked in the garden, they weren't ashamed before, but something about life had gotten to them to the place where they forgot what God said. Are you hearing me today? They forgot. So who told you to quit believing? Who told you to back off of the promises that he's made for you that are yes and amen? Who told you that because you've been doing it for X amount of time and it's not changed yet that it's not going to change? Who told you that? Somebody, I heard somebody say recently that they call pregnancy for somebody who's 35 and older, geriatric pregnancy. Who told you that? What are you talking about? When I was 16 years, 15 years old, I got my first job at Wendy's. Well, my third job. I did the tasseling, and then I mowed lawns, and then I raked snow, raked snow, shoveled snow. You know how long it's been since I shoveled some snow, clearly. But I remember... I remember, here's the trippy part. Here's the cool parts of social media, right? So my boss, when I was 15 years old, now follows me on social media. Hi, Miss Judy and Mr. Wayne. <laughs> they follow us. And don't be offended, but when I was 15 and you were my bosses, I thought you were old. <laughs> and what I realized, Miss Judy, is that the day I thought you were old, I'm that same age now. <laughs> She's 48, 49. Who told you 49 is old? Come on. Right? Who, where'd you get that information from? Is it society that's telling you? Is it every Google, blog, chemist, whatever? Where, where are you getting it from? And here's what I'm asking you, church. Find the word of the Lord for your life and stake your claim on it. Find the word. If you're dealing with depression, find the word of the Lord that says you don't have to bow to that crap. Find a promise. If you're dealing with anxiety and all the stuff that gets put out there, now with, with this whole virus that's going around, I'm not asking you to be frivolous. I'm not telling you to not care. I'm not telling you, look, if you sneeze, you better cover your mouth if you're next to me, Right? <laughs> <laughs> Let me just put that out there. Get a towel or something. Don't be frivolous about it. But if you're dealing with stuff, what I'm asking you to do is get the word of the Lord. We've been talking about no plague shall come nigh my dwelling. In the I've been speaking the word. I've been speaking the promises of God. You got to do the natural stuff. I'm not going to get rid of this 30, 40 pounds by osmosis. <laughs> I'm working, trying to find it. Keto, paleo, I don't know. No more. <laughs> working at it. But I have a promise that I will live a, a good, long, healthy life through the word of God. I have a promise that if I honor my, my father and my mother, that God will give me long life and he'll sustain me. Come on. So those are the things that we find. I want to finish with this, like I said. So when I'm 19 years old, 
Some of you know the story, some of you don't, but at 19 years old, I was getting ready to go back to Oral Roberts University, and I had a decision to make that was so crucial, critical, and transitional for me. And I got a, call, a phone call from a friend who said they were starting a music group. They needed four members. They had three of the four. I was going to be the fourth one. They needed another guy. I sent in a demo tape one night, a demo tape, cassette. It was Luther Vandross and something else that I sang on there, right? It was, I think it was Carmen and Luther Vandross. Couldn't be more different, could you? <laughs> Maybe that's why God brought me to an environment like this. Carmen and Luther Vandross. I sent in the tape. I remember putting it in the mailbox. I remember dropping it off at like 1 o'clock in the morning. I remember coming back to my house. I remember God telling me. Now, this didn't happen very often. It's only happened a few times in my life. It wasn't an audible voice, but it was a voice that was as clear as I am talking to you right now. It's a knowing that I knew that I knew that I knew. And God spoke to me, and he said, that cassette that you just put in the mail, it's going to get you the job. I'm going to give you that record contract if you want it, and I'm giving you a decision. If you want to take that contract, or forget about the contract, excuse me, and go back to Oral Roberts University and finish your broadcast journalism degree and come back to Sioux City and work as the sports anchor for the news station that I was already connected to interning for, he said, I'll bless you. And you can go back to Sioux City and live around your family and all the people that you've ever known and my hand will be on your life, and I'll bless you. He said, but if you want to take your highest calling, your highest opportunity, the greatest thing where I'm going to be make, able to make the greatest impact, here's the point, guys. He gave me a choice. Can I say that to you? God gives you choices. He lets you decide if you're going to break through or not. He lets you choose. So he said, look, I've given you these options. And he said, if you decide to take this record contract and go to Florida, there's going to be a lot of, it's going to be the harder road, basically. There's going to be times when you're going to doubt, you're going to question, you're going to wonder, you're going to feel like you made the wrong decision. But God promised me, he said, I am going to be with you if you make that choice. I made the choice. I didn't go back to Oral Roberts University. I moved to Kissimmee, Florida, where I knew no one, where the, the job that I moved here for broke down, where everything that I had traveled here to do didn't come to pass as it seemed. Now, how many of you know when that happens to a 19-year-old kid, your first reaction is going to be, well, let me just run back to what I knew. But... I had a word of the Lord, TJ. I had a word of the Lord. I had God speak something to me. So through hell, through high water, through doubt, through confusion, through frustration, I got to hang on to the word of the Lord that said, if you go to Florida, that is the place where you are going to find the greatest uh, portion of your destiny and your calling. And that word for 30 whatever years now that I've lived in Florida has been tested in seasons. 
And there are moments where I've questioned, and you're like, well, you've been here longer than you lived in Iowa. I know, but when you have that turning point and that, that divide in the road and you make a decision, how many of you know the enemy's always going to come knocking on your door? For you to deny it, to deny it, to distort it, or to defy the word. So I've had to fight through in seasons, and there have been times where I thought, man, did I make the right choice? When you're still believing God for promises that he made to you 30 years ago, can I be that honest? When I've seen the beauty of my life is the stuff that God has let me experience has gone. It is so far surpassed what I ever dreamed I would experience. I'm so grateful every day of my life. I'm thankful for the experiences and the moments that God has let me experience. But there are still those times and there are still those places, and there are still those promises where the enemy says, well, what if? If you'd have made a different decision, maybe you'd be here, here, or there. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I've had to stand on the word of the Lord. This is where, this is where you've planted me. This is the garden that I am tending and I am working and I am protecting and this is the place that I'm not going to let the enemy come in and lie and distort and defy and deny the word of God. Come on, somebody. You've got to lock that in. What did God say to you? What has he promised you? What are you hanging on to? What are those spaces that nothing's going to pull you away from believing what the word of the Lord is. And whenever doubt or fear or indecision comes in, stop and say, who told you that? Where did I get that from? Who told you that? You know what I've been doing in this last season of my life? I might have said this earlier. When somebody comes to me and they say, hey, P.L., you know, everybody's saying that, or all of them are saying this, or they are whatever. I stopped the conversation and said, no, well, who's they? No, no, who is they? Tell, tell me who they is. No, I want, well, I don't want to tell, no, 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 tell me the names of they. You want to put a halt? You want to put a halt to gossip and confusion around you? Have somebody tell you who they is. Because if they were strong enough to say it, then they got to be strong enough to follow up when I come to them and ask them what they was talking about. Right? And that's what you do to the devil. Who is they? Who are you? Oh, i got to give you this scripture real quick. Here we go. Time is running out. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 14. Sorry. you got to see this. Because when we're talking about Lucifer in verse 14, remember in chapter 3 of, of Genesis, verse 5, it says, you'll be just like God. Remember he said that? Are you guys okay for just a couple moments? Try not to go over, but I got to hurry up. Verse 12 and 14 of Isaiah. It says here, how you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How are you cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations? For you, Lucifer, said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne. I will also sit in the mount of the congregation. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. And I will what? Be like the most high. Where did we hear that? In the garden. 
And God was saying, hey, listen, when he came to Adam and said, where are you? Who told you that? God knew exactly who told him that because God had kicked Lucifer out of heaven before that. And look at the verse. This is the final thing I want to get to. It says here in verse 15, yet you shall be brought down. This is Lucifer's courage or judgment. It says, yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. And look at verse 16. It says, those, say those is me. (laughs) They is me. They is I. They be me. Those is me. Those who gaze at you, who see you, will gaze at you. And they will consider you saying, is this the man who caused me to doubt my future? You can take it off the screen. Give me your eyeballs. I'm done. I got to hurry up. Is this the dude that made you run away from your marriage? Is this the guy? This thing has been tormenting my whole life, causing me not to sleep, anxiety, frustration, thousands of dollars. This? And the Bible says when you realize that the enemy has no authority over you. The Bible says when we see him for what he actually is, you're going to gaze at him and see that he has no power. Come on, somebody. He has no right to keep you in bondage. Come on, he has no right. Come on, you can put your hands together for that. Yeah. So at the end of the day, remember who it is that you're fighting against. I see that sucker all shriveled up and beat up and ugly and weak. And he lies to us. And I believe God wants you to get the word of the Lord for your life. Bow your heads, bow your heads, Jesse. Bow your heads. Father, in the name of Jesus, I've done my best to convey your word today. I thank you that in this room, we will stop and ask the question, who told me that? Who told you that? Where'd you get that from? And God, I will make sure that the source of my information is from the one who has the power to change my life. I will make sure that my source of information comes from the word of the Lord. I will make sure that my promises don't die unless you say that they're dead. And in the name of Jesus, Father, I stand in this room in front of these people and I ask you, God, to let your promises live. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to let the word of God, those who are struggling with direction and vision and future, I ask you, God, to let your presence speak to them. Let the power of your word live in them. And I ask you, Lord God, that every person that has been dismayed by the lies of the enemy, Lord, I come against every lie, every lie that that tries to cause them to deny or to distort or to defy the word of God. And I say, word of God, live in these people. Families, come to Jesus. Health, line up with his word. Finances, be released in the name of Jesus. Spirit, soul, and body, God, help us to line up with your word. 
And I'm going to finish right here, but I need you to bow your heads. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I know that there are people in this room right now, right here today, that have gotten bad information from the enemy, and it has caused you to back off of the promise of God for your life. If it's you, lift your hand, because I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. I see 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 you, and he sees you. And Father, I thank you that every place they've backed away, every place where they've heard the lie of the enemy, Father, that your word will speak louder, your promise will speak stronger, and that in Jesus' name, Lord, we would not be afraid to believe what you have said is true. And we thank you for that now. With our heads continue to be bowed, if you don't know who Jesus is, maybe this is your first time here, maybe you've gotten away from him, you don't know who I, who's this guy up here sweating and preaching all hard. I'm a dude who loves Jesus and wants you to know him as well. And I'm only going to take 30 seconds. If that's you, you want me to pray for your relationship with him, you want to know him, I'm going to pray for you right now if you lift up your hands in this room. If that is you, if that is you, if that is you, if that is you, I see you in the name of Jesus. Father, thank you. I see you in Jesus' name. Well, that's why we do what we do. Thank you for your presence. Everybody just repeat after me. Say, Jesus. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to surrender my heart to you. I choose the tree of life. I choose total dependence. I choose to, you, to, to let you lead me in every part of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. We love you today, God. We love you. Come on, if you, if you got something on that, put your hands together. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.